I think it's very important in the things that we do to have a deeper calling or a deeper why, sort of in the parlance of Simon Sinek of Start With Why, which by the way is a great book that you should totally should read. So specifically today, we're going to be talking about what I think is sort of at the heart of the artist's calling. So this will apply to anybody even who's not a songwriter, anybody who is an artist of any kind. Of course, we're specifically going to tailor it to songwriting. But I think that it's important for us all to have a sense of what is a deeper reason that we should care about our craft beyond any of the things like, oh, well, I like it. And, you know, maybe even if you're somebody that for whatever reason has hope of, you know, glory and riches from music, which, by the way, if that's your hope, I mean, it's okay to hope for that, but that shouldn't really be our goal, not just because it's statistically extremely unlikely, um, but also because that we should shoot for the right thing. We should shoot for something more meaningful than fame and fortune. Uh, if you get it, great. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but it shouldn't be what we're shooting for. So today we're going to talk about like what is it really we should be shooting for, in my opinion, as artists, as music artists specifically. So let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I am Joseph Vidala, as always, here to talk with you for Songwriter Theory. And today we're talking about the artist's why, or the artist's calling, at least as I see it. Um, Because the reality is some days we're not going to feel it. You know, some days it's not going to be fun. Some days we're going to rather watch... Netflix for a billionth time. Um, I love how I say that, like Netflix is a show, right? Like the show Netflix. What a, what a, what a riveting show. Um, I don't know what that accent became, but it's okay. I'm not offended by it. So, you know, I, usually I pick on The Office because that's my go-to or was my go-to until it's not on Netflix anymore and now it's on Peacock or whatever. It's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to get it. Peacock, so I guess my addiction is is fixed. Good for me. Um, so now I'm watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine for a second time on Hulu. Great. So anyway, you know, it's no matter what we do, right, no matter how much we enjoy what we do, there's going to be rough patches. There are going to be times when there are other things in our life where it will be easy to let the things we don't have to do go by the wayside. There are going to be times where maybe we'll get discouraged about what it is we do and what we care about. And, you know, that can be something even as small as, um, you know, maybe you've kept songwriting to yourself. Maybe you listen to this podcast, uh, but your family doesn't even know you're listening to this podcast. Your family doesn't know that you've re-picked up songwriting or you've picked up songwriting for the first time. And, you know, you finally, after a year or two years, you decide, hey... I'm 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 going to finally, you know, come out of my shell and I'm going to play a song for somebody. And, you know, maybe they kind of respond in an underwhelming way. Maybe they are even discouraging. Um, and it's easy with those type of things uh, to a to take them way more seriously than they deserve, because usually, right, we're, we're playing a song for somebody who like they wouldn't know a great song if. It hit them over the head, right? Their their last favorite song was WAP. Okay? 
So we should not care about their opinion very much, frankly. Um, or, you know, if, if you're a country artist and you know this person doesn't like country, well, if they don't like your song, like, well, of course they don't. Do you think your song is like the greatest country song of all time? So much so that even though they don't like country, they will like your song, right? Like, but we do all sometimes think like this. And it's so easy to get discouraged um, and to, to feel like we're not very good, to get imposter syndrome. So there are so many reasons that will come up, so many feelings that will come up that will or can make us want to quit. And what helps us through those times usually is a deeper calling and a deeper why so that we're not chasing, you know, because if if we're doing it just so that, you know, that that girl in our sister unit, I don't know if your college has this. I went to Cedarville. Um, we had sister units. It's like basically you, you have a unit, which is kind of like a, a dorm hall. And then you have a sister unit and it's basically the building across from yours and you like hang out and do things together. I don't know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. You're trying to impress somebody of the, uh, that you were interested in. And you know, maybe that's why you're, all of those things are going to fail us, right? So we need a deeper, deeper why. And I've been thinking about that recently because, frankly, I'm, I myself am going through a bit of a, a valley. And I won't get into it here because it's not really relevant. Um, but going through a valley right now, I'm, I'm reconfronted with the choice that we have as creators and as songwriters when we're going through a valley. And one of those choices tends to be some version of quit. Um, which might involve um, passively quitting, which is when we haven't really quit on it, or at least not actively, but in the face of pain, in the face of things going wrong, we make the choice that we would rather watch The Office for a sixth time and drown ourselves in that and laugh our laugh our way out of the pain, hopefully, or at least be able to laugh until we go to bed and then we sleep so that we sort of um, make the pain irrelevant because we never give our ourselves a chance to feel it, right? And it doesn't have to be pain either, by the way. You know, for, for you, it might be something different. Maybe all your music comes from a, a place of, you know, utter joy, and that's when you write all your best stuff. Um, then that applies to you too, right? In, in your time of joy, are you just going out and you know, hanging out with people and just sort of keeping the joy to yourself? Or are you giving some of it to others in the form of songwriting, which is sort of the direction we're going here. But so the one choice, right, is for us to be understandably, quote unquote, selfish about it. And, you know, sometimes we are going to make that choice. Where it's, it's just going to be easier to watch another comedy TikTok video or keep scroll scrolling through TikTok or YouTube shorts or watch another comedy video or watch another Bill Burr comedy special or something to forget. Or we can use those times and sort of take one for the team because that that those are the moments 
those are often the moments where the magic happens creatively. And to me, the ultimate artist calling is that we sometimes need to make sacrifices so that others can later be touched by what we've done, right? We are sacrificing certain things, like, for example, our pride sometimes, in order to serve the song, right? Maybe in the song you and how you're feeling right now is not necessarily something you want to bring a mirror to. You don't, you don't want to have other people see you like this. And look, I get that. I mean, I'm, I'm the type of guy that like prides myself on, you know, the, how few people have seen me cry, right? Like I'm pretty sure my wife has still not seen me cry. She's only seen me tear up, which happened at my grandfather's funeral and while watching Coco, <laughs> which I know is an interesting combination of two things. Um, but it's true. Th- those are like the only we've been married for four years. Those are the only time that she has seen me tear up. And that's not even like real cry. Um, well, that's not true. She did see me cry once. Re- regardless, she wants to see me cry more. So much to her chagrin, I do not uh, I do not take her up on that offer. Um, so I, I don't know. That's just the way I am. I'm, I, I tend to be the person that I pride myself on. I want to be the person in the room, whether it's a funeral or anything else that I'm the person keeping it together that other people can break down and I will be the strong one for them. That, that is how I see my role. And so, you know, and, and part of that obviously probably comes from a, a source of pride and maybe you resonate with this. Maybe you don't, but Regardless, I think we all sometimes have pride that gets in the way of our songs, right? Maybe we don't want to admit things in the form of a song that we're feeling. We don't want to be honest in our songwriting, which is why maybe we don't run to songwriting when the pain is the worst or when, you know, the the most embarrassing and maybe not embarrassing, but the, the parts of us that we want to hide are, you know, rear their heads and we think to ourselves, no, nobody wants to see this. Nobody wants to know this. I don't want anybody to know this. And, you know, honestly, some songs you might not end up liking or later will be embarrassed by uh, for many reasons, right? Maybe just because you're not a very good songwriter at first and eventually they will be embarrassing because later you are a much better songwriter and don't regard your earlier stuff as good anymore. Um, but for a myriad of reasons... You might not end up liking your songs, but I think the attitude we need to have is if that song is something that even one person out there has to hear that will impact them, so be it, right? What does it matter? Screw our pride. And I'm not saying that songwriting can't be something that we enjoy. I mostly love songwriting. In fact, it is... I, I joke that I would have to see a psychologist if it wasn't for songwriting, but songwriting is what saves me the money, um, which is partially a joke, right? But I, I do process things via songwriting, right? So there, there are some inherently selfish parts of songwriting, right? So I'm, not, I'm also not pretending it's an altruistic thing, right? I'm, I'm not getting on here to, like, this isn't one of those episodes where, like, I talk about like, here's why the world needs songwriters and songwriters are this altruistic calling and everybody should support them, right? Like, that's not what this is. Because um, I, I frankly think basically every job is 
not altruistic. This whole, like, you're a hero because you have a certain job or something to me is ridiculous. Like, no, why do you have the – there's lots of other questions, right? Like, not every person is a nurse because they have this altruistic calling to save lives, right? Some people chose nursing because they said, oh, wow, that makes a lot of money, right? Like, <laughs> it just – just I don't know. Whatever. Just, just, just my opinion. Don't send me hate mail. But uh, – and not just nurses, by the way. I pick on nurses because they're the ones that I feel like I – I don't know what it is, but I don't know if any of you have noticed this, but specifically when I went to college, I realized the number one degree that had a weird chip on their shoulder that was totally unnecessary were, were nurses. Like people who are freshman year nurses would have this giant chip on their shoulder like they were already heroes and like people underappreciate like who underappreciates nurses? Maybe doctors. I, I definitely have heard comments from doctors that make it sound like they look down on them because they're like less educated or something stupid, right? So in, in that way, I get it. But like the general world, who in the general world doesn't appreciate a nurse? Right? I mean, if anything, when somebody says they're a nurse, everybody in the room's like, oh, you're a nurse? How great. Right? Like who who under underappreciates? I don't know. Never understood it. Anyway, so back to what we're actually talking about here. So I'm not claiming that songwriting is this altruistic thing, right? Because I, I, I don't even really think that exists for jobs. There are some that are borderline, right? And there are some that are closer. Um, I'm not saying that songwriting is. So take care of life first, right? Don't leave your spouse struggling so you can go write a song. Don't leave your kids struggling so you can go write a song. Don't abandon your family at a funeral so you can go write a song, right? Take care of real life first, real, real humans connected to you in the world. But a lot of other times you're going to have the choice to turn on the TV or drown yourself in something else that's unproductive. And um, really, if we have a firm grasp of our why, I think we're going to do that less often. And I think we should do that less often. And look, we, we've all been there. So don't take this as a lecture either. It's not. Um, I, I, I've told this story before, I think. But uh, one of my favorite songs was my best song for a while, in my opinion. Um, it's called Won't Be Tonight. And the basic story of it is I had sort of written the chorus about when I found out that my grandfather had some form of cancer that was not going to be curable. Uh, it was kind of one of those, you know, he has two, three years. So the chorus started from that standpoint, but then it got stuck. Um, and it centered around the whole, um, you know, I understand that someday it will be okay. Right. I'm not trying to be over dramatic, but it's not going to be tonight. It's kind of what the song centers around is this, this idea of, cause, cause a lot of people, you may have experienced this, right? People who will say, oh, it's all going to be okay, or you'll get through this. And it's like, yeah, I, I know that. Like, mentally, I know that. But that's not really relevant right now, right? I, I just need to be able to suffer right now for a second. I need to be able to grapple with this, deal with this. So anyway, long story short, girlfriend breaks up with me out of nowhere. And I spend literally 50 hours not like it's about 50 hours that the only things I did was watch everybody loves Raymond cry. And, uh, I, I literally didn't even drink or eat for 50 hours, which later I realized like, wow, that was actually legitimately dangerous. I didn't do it intentionally. It just kind of happened. 
Um, and then after about 50 hours of that, obviously with some sleep in between, I was like, dude, what the heck? Man? You're a songwriter. Th this is the moment, right? You can choose to deal to like be a coward and go, you know, not drink away your pain, but laugh away your pain, I guess, in the form of watching a sitcom and watching a judge worthy amount of it. Or you can put your pain to good use. You can put your pain to paper so that maybe someday just one person will hear this and realize they're not the only one who's felt that way, who will hear this and will be encouraged that someone else has felt the same way they do, that someone else has been through something similar to them and feels that way. And you may say there's already songs like that. Yeah, of course. But you never know which one is going to resonate, right? Like, for example, <laughs> right after I was driving home from her breaking up with me, I literally just put the song I'm Not Alright by Sanctus Real on repeat the entire drive home, which, by the way, is 45, was 45 minutes. That was all I listened to. And by listen to, I mean, I tried to sing along at first and then it made me break down and cry. And then I did the really pathetic, like you try to sing while you're crying, which is just awful. And then you really judge yourself and then you cry because you feel like a loser because you just hurt yourself. Christ mess, right? Awful. You might say, wow, Joseph, you're, you're really embarrassing yourself today. Um, good. <laughs> Cause that's, that's sort of, I think what we need to accept more as songwriters is some level of this. Um, so we all have pains and struggles and the best we can do as creators is to make some good out of it. And you know what? Not even as creatives, right? This, this is true in all things in life, right? If it's some horrible pain that you endure, um, like, like for example, the, the people that lead the charge in raising money and doing things to, um, you know, work towards curing certain cancers, who are those people? They're people that tragically lost someone close to them because of that cancer, right? And so they are taking a horrible thing that happened to them, and then they are using that as fuel to go as best as possible, try to make that right, try to make it so the next person doesn't have to go through what they went through, right? If they lost their mother from breast cancer, they say... Well, dang it, I'm going to make sure that the next person doesn't lose their mother to breast cancer, right? Like, that's that's kind of the, the thing. And again, that's more altruistic than what we do. I'm not, I'm not trying to compare us to that. Again, I, I'm trying to make really clear here. I'm not saying, you know, songwriting is this. It's not. But it has some of the same beats as, as other things in life. The commonality of, look, when we have pain... We can use that or we can not use it. And specifically as creators, we have a unique way of being able to use that. To write a song that will help someone going through the same thing later. And the great thing, too, is when we do that, it exists forever, right? So sure you might have to confront some pain and feelings now that you would rather not, and you'll have a more miserable 24 or 48 hours because of it. Maybe. 
It also might help you process it and get over it quicker. For me, at least, I think that's how that tends to work. Um, and it, 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 it doesn't always, though, right? So, you know what? It, it, might, it, it is easier a lot of times to drown yourself in the office for the 50th time. But that small sacrifice can go on forever. And the main thing I think of here um, are really old songs, right? So take hymns. And it it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. None, none of this. So don't, don't tune out here just because it's it, irrelevant, right? I'm not really talking about hymns here. But just, just as an example, um, you may or may not know who Horatio Spafford is. But the shortened version of his story is he lost a fortune in in the Great Chicago Fire. And then his four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. And then because he thought his family could use a vacation because of the horrible things that had happened to them, he and his wife and four daughters planned to go on vacation to England. Uh, he was going to join them on the ship, um, but he eventually decided that he was going to actually wait behind and finish some things up that he had to deal with before going, so he sent them ahead on the ship and was planning on joining them in England, you know, probably a couple days later. That ship was shipwrecked, and all four of his daughters died. So at this point, this guy's lost his fortune and five children. I believe all five children. His wife did survive. Uh, sent him a message to start with, saved alone, what shall I do? So he's, he's now on a ship, same path to England, uh, and the person in charge of the ship, the captain, I think, was aware of the tragedy and told him, for whatever reason, um, when they passed where the shipwreck had occurred just you know a week earlier, however long it was. And that prompted him to write the song that, again, doesn't really matter what your beliefs are on anything, but the song It Is Well With My Soul came from that. And regardless of anything else, that song is a song that has impacted tons and I mean, millions upon millions of people. That song has positively affected. And for me, at least, is one of my go-to I am in a really dark place songs that helps me get past dark times. And... You know, he, no one could blame him if, I mean, he just lost all his fortune and five children. Five children. Not one kid, five. All in a very small amount of time. So no one would blame him if he just kept that pain to himself. And... You know, honestly, I don't think anybody would blame him if he jumped off the ship right there, right? I mean, really, I mean, these are this is the type of pain most of us can't even begin to fathom, right? They say one of the worst things a human can experience is the loss of their child. He lost, he lost five. I believe all five, because um, I think that was literally all of them. Instead, he wrote a song that then would, for millions of people... Already, much less that that song's not going anywhere, right? People are going to still be singing that song a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, if the earth's still around. That song's not going anywhere. 
and millions is probably under at this point it's it's got to be past a billion easily all because he was willing to put pen to paper in his darkest moments instead of just you know for lack of a better word drowning out his sorrows in other ways turning to alcohol or you know all the all the other things that I think we would consider forgivable given the circumstances but instead he gifted us with it is well with my soul. So wherever you are, write music that can meet others where they are, resonate with them, maybe even change their lives, give them hope and darkness, joy in times of plenty. And look, you might think my little experience, what could it do? A lot. Right? It, you don't have to have an incredible story like the Horatio Spafford one. You don't need to have that story. I mean, I don't even know the story behind I'm Not Alright, which has impacted my life quite a bit. Um, you know, and, and there's more songs than that too, but even if there's one person that you help one day them get through, not even getting into the whole, like, yeah, there's an argument to be had, like, I. I'm sure you've heard plenty of stories of like that song literally saved my life, right? I was going to take my life. I heard that song and then, you know, this. That's not even an uncommon story, right? Music is incredibly powerful. I, you know, I, I've heard it said, and I, I agree with this, like there's nothing else in the world that can in four minutes change somebody's life, right? A book might change somebody's life. It doesn't take four minutes to read a book. A... Movie might change somebody's life. Um, these days, probably not. But, you know, back when they made actual art. Um, but even that, it's probably at least hour and a half, right? People's lives can legitimately be changed because of songs. They're like three, four minutes. It's one of the most powerful forces in the universe. We should not take that for granted. So... All to say, the point of this episode, and I know this is a different episode. Hopefully you liked it. Uh, if you didn't, I'm sorry. Don't worry. Songwriter theory is not changing. This was just a one-off. Like I said, I'm going through a valley. So uh, full disclosure, this is uh, l last night. I sort of planned on this episode because of how I was feeling. Uh, but then I wrote music until 2 o'clock in the morning because I wanted to live out what I'm talking about here. Um. And, you know, who knows what will come of those songs or parts of songs that are now developed a little bit more. Um, but that's not really the point, right? The idea is, what are we going to choose to do when it's inconvenient to write? Are we going to turn to writing anyway? Are we going to see the higher calling that can be had in it, right? That maybe, maybe through what we're going through, we can help somebody later. Or are we going to quit? when we probably most need to songwrite. Hopefully you will choose to write a song. I know so I've gotten at least a couple emails from people who talk about how like it's helped them, you know, songwriting deal with depression, all that sort of stuff. Right. That just that alone is, is so powerful. And that's not even to speak of, I'm sure those same people, right. Have had songs that have helped them with depression that other people wrote. Right. And who is more equipped to write songs that help people going through 
you know, whatever it might be, um, whether that be depression or, you know, huge loss, loss of a child or something, then someone's writing who went through the same thing, right? It's like when somebody tells you, oh, it's going to be okay. You know, if, if they've, if I hate to keep going with the, we'll stick with Horatio Spafford for a second. You know, if God forbid any of us lose a child, right? Um, when somebody says, tries to comfort us who hasn't lost one, it just doesn't feel the same, right? It's just not going to feel the same, right? As somebody who has. Same is true with all kinds of loss, right? If you haven't, somebody else who hasn't lost a parent trying to relate to you, you know, that one friend who hates dogs comforting you when you've lost a dog, right? We all know those people, right? Like, okay. I know that you're thinking in the back of your head, it's just an animal, man. So don't try to comfort me now, <laughs> right? We, we all know those people. Um, so anyway, we'll end it right here. Hopefully this was helpful to you. If it was, hopefully you're feeling motivated to go write a song. Uh, I hope none of you are walking through any sort of valley right now. I hope all of you uh, lives are good. Everything's great. Uh, but if you are going through a valley, what I hope you get from this is use it, right? Um, you're going to go through the valley either way. Might as well give yourself a chance to help somebody else get out of their valley you know, next month, next year, a hundred years from now, um, by writing the song. So use, use the pain, use whatever you're going through, um, and make sure that songwriting is a higher calling than just because you like it. Also of note, something that I think people forget is almost every legendary artist up until the last probably 70 years or so, they all died thinking, or most of them, a lot of them, died with either thinking they were failures or having no idea how big of a deal their stuff would become. And I say that to point out that uh, another thing is, too, if you look back in time, if you think of like, oh, the classics from the 70s and the 60s, music wise, what's interesting is a lot of times you just assume that the songs you remember from the 60s and 70s were actually the number one songs. But most of the time, they're not. A lot of number one songs haven't stood the test of time. So I think a lot of people have this, this mistaken concept, right, that like, Oh, because WAP or the newest Taylor Swift song hit number one on the radio charts, that means that 20 years from now, it will, they'll still be relevant and people will remember and care about those songs. And that's not true. History has already told us that that's not true. It also is true that some people who spend their whole lives, quote unquote, undiscovered, can then take on a whole new life long after they're gone. And Van Gogh is, of course, sort of the poster child of this, right? I mean, shot himself at 37 and a really tragic life, right? And then goes on to be one of the goats of art, or considered one of the goats of art, right? Um, and that's an extreme example, and 
I also am, for what it's worth, I'm very against the whole, like, there's this weird starving artist thing, too. Like, like people think they need, like, in order to be a real artist, they have to, like, starve for something. That's silly, too. Uh, so I, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, look, regardless of the life, that, let's say you're on your deathbed at 80, and you think to yourself, my songs did nothing, nobody heard them. They exist out there, nobody heard them, nobody cares. They still might, right? Someday they could have a totally new second life, could change people's lives, can still be heard long after you're gone, especially with the internet, right? There's no reason to think they're just going to go away. Um, so so I guess my point is that, you, you know, let's say you're 70 and you're working on songs and you think to yourself that your chance of him, it, it's not different, right? You don't know. They could take on a whole new life after you're gone. That's a part of the beauty of art is it lives on past us. It's a way for us to express ourselves past our own lifetime. It's a way for people around past us to, I mean, it can be almost autobiographical, right? If we care about that part. Um, I don't really care about that part personally, but uh, maybe you do. That's cool. My point is this. You also never know when it will impact people. And I think we all have this idea that it needs to happen in our lifetime, else it's not real. Uh, and that's just not true. There's no reason to believe that. Um, so see the higher calling, write the stuff, and you know maybe it will never really see the light of day. Maybe it will after you're gone. And really, I don't think it matters because you did the right thing. You fulfilled the artist's calling of using your pain, and whether it's something that affects one person or one million people or one billion people, um, I don't think that makes it any less. So hopefully you're not going through a valley. If you are, though, make sure to use it. Next time you're going through a valley, hopefully you remember this. Hopefully I didn't lose you along the way. Hopefully you didn't spend the whole time thinking this is not a typical episode. Um, not that I think you sound like that, of course. But <laughs> um, had to had to add some humor into this, right? It's been we've been kind of we've been kind of in the in the, in in, the, in on on the dark side today. Um, so if you found this helpful, be sure to leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. If you didn't find this helpful, but hey, you find the other stuff helpful, here's a reminder to go do that anyway for the sake of the other episodes. Don't worry, we'll be back to more regular programming with the next episode, which actually will be super practical. We're going to be talking about seven, a seven-day song starter challenge where I basically give you seven different ways for the seven days of a week to like go create this one thing, like go start a song from this specific standpoint today. Um, and we're going to give seven of those. So sort of the opposite of this uber practical, although that, that being said, I, I think there could be an argument made that this episode is more important than any of the other stuff I talk about. Um, because it has deeper repercussions, right? Figuring out the right chord progressions and knowing music theory and, you know, understanding how to craft a good melody. All that's great. Uh, it's very important. Um, but at the end of the day, sort of having a sense of our why as an artist, I think is, is, is most important. So thank you for listening. 
Sorry if you thought that this was a bit of a downer of an episode. Uh, hopefully you didn't. I still appreciate you for sticking with me with this episode. I know it's different. Uh, I appreciate you for being a listener. I appreciate all of you. Um, appreciate the emails that you all send. Um, especially though I, I mentioned some people who like, you know, reached out to me and talked about the depression stuff. I, I really appreciate when people do that. Um, it, it gives me that extra fire of, you know, why, why we do this, why, why we have this podcast, why, why it's important to talk about that. If it inspires even one of you to, you know, write a song, write some songs that help you deal with any of the valleys you might be going through, um, you know, if that did that for even one person, then these podcasts would be worth it. So I appreciate those of you who let me know that kind of stuff. It's really awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Again, don't worry. Next week is back to practical. Super practical. Um, actually, about as practical as it gets. Um, so if you have songwriter friends, be sure to tell them about this podcast. And I will talk to you in the next one.